3: hello and welcome to the 333rd and one-third episode of the slow ride podcast this is tim in orlando florida
0: hey this is matt in minneapolis
2: and this is spencer in boston guys it is the meat of the season now we are in it road cycling is back You can feel it in the air, the crackle. There's so much to talk about this week. I can't believe it. We ran out of room in the agenda. There is so much cycling, so much quality cycling.
3: Guys, what are we going
2: to talk about this week?
3: Is this the week that AG2R loses the championship belt? This is the question everyone wants to know. And with (laughs) Um, Oomloop and KBK around the corner, stuffed donkeys for everybody, it may be the week.
0: I, I think there's a strong case that Trek... Uh, after their showing at uh, Alps to Maritime, would be the team that gets to take it away from AG2R. Uh, maybe,
2: maybe. Maybe, maybe. not I think we expect Trek to win some races, though. We did you... not expect AG2R <laughs> to win any races.
0: Well, the, that, AG2R could redeem themselves next weekend, poply, pop, poply, possibly with a, with a GVA win or something. At <laughs> uh,
3: Well, little but, guy, while Bauke okay, Molima was looking resplendent in the lead on friday he did lose on saturday to the slow ride podcast favorite runner in the peloton michael woods yes. king of the vo2 max at the tour de maritimes and then Gianluca brambilla taking the win today and also the gc um little guy why should i care about this race i've never heard about
0: Uh, because the race you have heard about is the UAE Tour, and that race is stupid and boring, and this race was exciting.
3: Ah, but I did see some echelons today at UAE, which is always kind of the cool part about those races, right?
0: Yeah. No. The the echelons at UAE are fun to watch in a two-minute highlight reel. It is not a fun race to watch, whereas Maritimes was a fun race to watch. You had drama.
2: yeah. My Twitter feed exploded this morning with UAE pictures of of echelons, and everyone was like, It's beautiful. Look at poetry in motion, like cycling at its best. And it was these aerial
3: shots of like a Rafa copywriter,
2: a bunch of dudes riding in little diagonal lines in a wasteland with no fans. And I was like, You know what? This is not it. This is not Mm. the beauty of cycling at its pinnacle. Yeah. yeah, I was much more interested in uh, in the other racing going on. And I want to throw it back just a minute here to where you said our uh, VO2 Max Peloton leader, Michael Woods, took a, a stage win. Because I just pulled up the results because I was curious at the first big um, kind of chance he had to stamp his authority over over the Peloton, over the other runners in the Peloton. And he mm-hmm. took it. You know what I mean? He uh he was like, Hey, I'm a better climber and I got a faster five K. I think I think it all ties together. <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah, Pidcock was nowhere to be seen uh, when Woods went to the front, and I think that's telling right there. He he was he was he was not able to hold on on that so, sprint up the hill.
2: Michael Woods first place. Uh Tom Pidcock, you gotta scroll down to eighty first place. Three yeah. minutes, ten seconds down. Yeah. I just control that. Yeah, not impressive. I I scrolled because I wanted the sensation of how far, uh, how much, how deep Michael Woods drove the dagger. Because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Boke Malema or Ineos or, or you know, these guys who are trying to win the race were the ones who felt the pain. But no, I think it was Tom Pitcock.
3: Oh, he definitely felt been. the
0: pain. Yeah, on his side, he does have probably a fifteen-year career ahead of him. So to make up for it. I mean
3: um, so is this okay, so there's Maritimes race, then at the same today, the first stage of UAE, with Matthew Vanderpool winning. Not bad for a pro continental team, taking a stage <laughs> win over a star studded field, including on the podium with him, David Decker and Michael Morkov.
0: <laughs> Said with confidence.
3: <laughs> Fourth place, Emils Lupins, who uh must know Tom Tom Schoons because he's from Latvia. That's really cool to see. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, Viviani in Did, fifth. So yeah, it's a solid field. I mean, it's not top notch field, but it's you know it's a it's a good field. It's not like the AA class that's no. going to go to Umloop next week. Yeah. So
2: I know that this is a an audio medium, but we are we are on a video call right now. Um, and I just want to just so we don't embarrass ourselves on air, can I just see a, a show of hands? When you saw the replay of the finish, Matthew Vanderpool winning over Lado Sedal, you thought that was wild, right? Like, just
3: raise your hand if you thought it was wild.
2: Are you? Just instinctually, you were like, "How? Oh, he'd be wild again." And then you looked at the results and were like, "Who's that?"
3: Matthew Vanderpool did come off the line pretty nicely there. Mm-hmm. Should there be a relegation? What do you guys think?
0: No. Absolutely not. He was ha- he was already a bike length in front of him, so it, it didn't impede them.
2: Yeah, it's kind of kind kind of, of tough to block people when you're, uh, you know, several meters. If anything, clear.
0: he was just sharing his draft with all the other sprinters. He was one all the way over one way, and he's like, I want to help Viviani out. So he swung all the way across to give Viviani a little time in the draft, you know?
3: Do you just think it's nice enjoyable to do this race? I mean, no, I know it's probably nice and warm better than Northern um, Europe is right now, but the lack of fans is always, like, disturbing to me. And it's, I mean, granted, it's also in a pandemic right now, but um, I don't know.
0: There's not even turns. Nathan Haas was, tweeted something about how he thought his bike was lighter because it got sandblasted all day.
2: Oh, all right. It so, sounds take fun, of the right? some paint off. It sounds yeah. awesome.
0: Um, so, Tim, you better uh, keep your eyes peeled. Maybe one of those uh, sweet uh that Cofidis is riding, maybe one of them is going to be for sale soon. Just slight paint damage. But um, otherwise, I'm sure it's fine.
2: They're going to leave the bottom bracket in that one, though.
0: Oh, yeah. It's not coming out. <laughs> so coming,
3: out. coming up, I mean, it is into spring season. So I think on the top here, what we should talk a little bit about, is obviously, is Umloop and then KBK. Cut. Little guy, going into Umloop, I think that the favorites probably got to be anybody on Quick Step at this point, um, including uh Ballerini who's probably looking the strongest on the, uh, the Wolfpack yeah. team. And then also you have nice. GVA for Citrone, um, Jasper Stevens who won it last year for Trek. Who do you got at Umloop? Why? And are you going to be watching it? Or are you going to, I mean, oh. Umloop takes the cake. And then it has been a long-term slow ride podcast, Theory that Spencer will get to in a moment about who's going to win KBK. Like, what's the guaranteed winner of KBK is always dependent on what happens the Saturday before at Umloop.
0: Yeah, at Umloop. Well, I just looking at the, the, the quick step lineup, they have too many cooks in this kitchen. They're going to mess it up. They're almost all winners on that team. So I'm going to say either GVA is going to win it, or, and we've already gotten a promise from Hausler that he's going to be there, right? Yeah. He promised on Mitch Docker's podcast. He's been doing all the cross races. <laughs> um, so Crosser's going to shine. I'm going to say GVA wins it. Hausler gets second, and then it'll, I don't know, it'll, just, it'll be a random Interesting. guy.
3: In the That'd third. be Wow, so you don't think any quick-step guy is going to get on the podium?
0: No, they're going to mess it up. Look at look at that lineup. They've got Alaphilippe, Asgreen, Ballerini, DeClercq, Lampart, Seconal, and Stibar. Every one of those guys except uh, Tim DeClercq could win and that's too many cooks, way too many cooks in the kitchen. They'll figure it, it could out be
3: first. a Michelin-starred restaurant that is really, really good because even the sous chef is better than anybody else out there. I, little guy, it will be hard for Quick Step to lose this one. I'm sorry. I think it's going to be a double up. But Spencer, if Quick Step mm. loses, what is the Slow Ride podcast rule that you instituted probably three years ago at this point?
2: If the inevitable happens somehow, uh, or the... Uh, the impossible happens sorry somehow <laughs> yeah. and uh quick step does not win then it's a guarantee a slow ride podcast guarantee that they do win KBK the next day
0: absolutely yes yes and that's where ballerini shines
2: yeah i i am a little bit uh uh with little guy on this i don't really see how th- we might be treated to a mape podium sweep Like. Could be. A la late nineties, everybody's juice to the eyeballs, um, full gas. <laughs> yeah. Full They actually prism. insert it in the
3: eyeballs. It's a little weird, but it's the best way to beat the testing.
0: Hey, it works.
2: Yeah, well, now they know to look for it. So, uh yeah, they've moved past that. But yeah, quick step is hard to bet against in the in the opener. It's certainly on the opening weekend. Um, but I think I mean, I think I would do just that. Just um <laughs>
3: As a point of order, have has there been any confirmed photos or videos or of the uh motor check still happening? Like is the is the guy still walking around with the iPod?
0: I don't oh, think no. so. I thought they I thought they pulled back on that saying they didn't find anything, which is insane because the motors are just like e-bikes are just getting s- smaller and lighter as it is, so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Have you seen that new e-bike that like Seventeen thousand dollar yeah e bike uh, that looks exactly like any other road bike. It's pretty amazing. No. Yeah. I didn't read much about it because I don't care, but it, yeah, exactly. It actually looked pretty good. <laughs> it was called the Domestique, which
3: was kind of strange, actually, but that's actually kind of a pretty good name for an e bike, though, right? Like it's kind of eh, no one's gonna be able to tell you're on the Domestique. You just press this little button, you get a nice little twenty five minutes of of, uh, of ride time.
0: Do you think they call it the domestique just because they know that the people that are going to buy a road bike, e-bike are maybe not 100% down with all the lingo and that it's their way no. of calling themselves <laughs> out? So, like, they show up to the group ride and everyone's like, hey, dude, and they know, and this guy's like, ah, they don't know I got this.
3: No, I think that they call it the domestique because all the other cool cycling words have already been taken by what will soon be Fortune 500 companies like Peloton. Right, uh, uh, yeah. can't use that Biden. Yeah. So, well, he's the president. Can't use that word. Um, so you know, now it's domestique.
2: This thing allegedly weighs eighteen point seven pounds, which is probably a l- couple pounds lighter than Little Guy's road bike. So <laughs> and on par with your titanium road bike.
3: So let's yeah. let's go down this rabbit hole. Wow, that that is actually pretty light. Let's go down this rabbit hole a little bit. Little Guy raises it. So. Um, I will ask you guys, I know this is spur of the moment. So I want you to think about this. What words will be co-opted by some kind of company here in the U S from the cycling lexicon. So I'll start. I think at some point that we will come across some cycling company called Palmer's. It may be like a, um, you know, a food company of some kind like nutrition. It may be some kind of, um, website, uh, you know, Silicon Valley type thing, like, oh, Palm like Palmers, or it's going to be a, a bar of some kind, like, oh, we're going to go to the bar and, oh, what's it called? It's bike themed. Oh, cool. Like, what is it? Oh, it's Palmers, you Yeah, it's pretty cool. So do be. you guys have a word that you think is going to, you know, Peloton is obviously being the big one um, that we know of, um, uh, Criterium, you know, something like that. What do you think?
0: I'd say Coal will be one. There'll be a brand with a little, little mountain logo, and then i will just say Coal. You know, okay. it's, it's ambiguous enough, but I think people, you know, get it quick enough. It's it's uh, like
3: C-O-L, coal. Yeah.
0: It's, a, yeah. it's like, ooh, it's not mountain, but ooh, it's like, it's a
3: fancy foreign oh. mountain. Does really well in West Virginia. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know on off the top of my head what hasn't already been taken. I want, you know, I want to say Jiro, but that's already taken yeah. by a bike company. Um, things like that. But I, I think the, the easy way to get into a non-cycling super fan but cycling fans uh uh, good graces is to just put le in front of it le like okay like le car used to be uh back in the 80s um all marketed to bicyclists exactly people understand immediately hey this is french and as far as the general public is concerned the tour de france is the biggest thing so the french cyclists are the best um
0: (laughs) That's true. That is probably what <laughs> they, most people think. That's really great. I hadn't thought about that.
2: France, yeah, France has done a great job with their marketing um, worldwide, internationally, anyway. Um, uh, you know, with really setting themselves up as the um, thought leaders in the in the industry of cycling. You know, things like Peloton. Like, I guarantee nobody who buys a Peloton generally knows what the word even means. But they're like, ah, oh, it must be French for bicycle.
0: It's French for true. rides alone at their house. <laughs> right? Wait, uh, no, I it's like it. the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, I guess Zwift wasn't part of the uh, the lexicon, but now it is. So, congratulations to Zwift for entering yeah. into what they've, we say all the be- time. They've become a verb. They're like Google, you know? Yeah, Kleenex. It's, yeah. it's
2: incredible. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I'm excited, Ra- Racing's back. I got to figure out how I'm going to watch it. Um, I I do think I'm going to venture down the line of just getting a VPN for the year, trying that route. I know quite a few folks that do it on the cyclocross side of things. So I'll keep everybody up to date on that, on Tim's uh, a- attempt to watch racing. It was so good. My life was so awesome and easy to follow a couple of years ago, and now here we are. Um, we did get a little bit more clarity on the GCN, so I, I do think I will be going forward with that for the $30 because they did clarify that they will be able to show the Juro in uh, the U.S. this year on GCN+. Plus. So uh, pretty excited about that.
0: Yeah, I'm going sec- to have to hire a secretary just to – Keep, keep it straight, which one of my services I got to open.
3: <laughs> the other big news I get, I don't know how big of news this is, gentlemen, but it was something that um came across uh the wire. Uh, I, I tweeted it out on the slow ride pod Twitter account, so head on over to at the slow ride pod if you want to see it. But um, I guess I, I we have to talk about it. David Rebelin, David Rebelin, this guy, <laughs> this guy. Mm-hmm. 49 years old to signed a contract again. So he turned pro in 1988. I was, or sorry, 1992 is when he turned pro. I was 11 years old. He is still racing. Um, Most of his time was with Gerald Steiner. He took a nice uh, two year uh, mini vacation there in 2010, 2011 timeline. He's been racing continental for the most parts since, um, kind of bouncing around what is whatever the third tier of pro racing is but he is a three-time winner of flesh will um, he did do the was that the triple that he did that one year where he won flesh willlone he did the triple Roubaix and
0: No, oh, flesh Willone. yeah absolutely that's right Amstel
3: the Ardanes classics apologies please do not send the emails to us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com <laughs> no, no,
0: no send them send them to um <laughs>
3: What do you guys think of this? Is is he now back in our good graces cuz I know that we obviously are very well, cloudy on everything that it has to do with doped cyclists, but I do have a a soft spot in my heart for the Gerald Steiner team. Always, I liked kind of the bubble gradient on their kit. For some reason it always just spoke to me. I like Valverde, so therefore I'm like maybe I should like Revelin. But at 50 years old it kind of gives me a little bit, oh you, you should know, like. Hey, go get him, Tiger. What do you think?
0: Oh, you guys know I love Revellin. I mean, I uh, I was just watching the 96 Giro on the trainer the other night and there he there he was. He popped up for a stage win in the first week. Uh they call it the young man, David Revellin. <laughs>
3: 1996, was that on the VHS tape?
0: Oh yeah, on the VHS tape. That's I mean, that's how great Do you rewind it, it when you're done? Uh sometimes I don't and then I'm mad at myself a year later.
3: But do you have an automatic rewinder?
0: I don't have one of those (laughs) separate rewinders. I should invest in one of those.
3: Yeah, I bet you can get them kind of cheap. Either
0: that, or they're really expensive, right?
3: It 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 is absolutely stunning that he is uh, still racing. But, um, anyways, uh, Spencer, are you uh, buy buy or hold on David Rebellin's Hall of Fame uh, career? D you, are you, would you vote him into the Slow Ride podcast Hall of Fame?
2: No, absolutely not. What? So I sold on David Rebellin probably 2005 oh, and I on. haven't bought like, wow. since.
3: Yeah. So so would you okay, um how to frame this so I can get the answer that I want. Um Spencer <laughs> uh-huh. maybe not a first round or second round hall of Famer, but is he going to back his way in like Burt Blyleven? Ble- into the Slow Ride Podcast Hall of Fame.
2: I see. Um, man, that's a tough question. I
3: uh,
2: because he's because for
3: sure not first ballot for I'll me. i put like totally I like, know
2: what you're getting at because I'll put Valverde in, but I don't want to put Rebellin in, and there's not really much difference between the two when it comes down <laughs> to it. Whoa,
3: there's a huge difference.
2: Well, I mean, one was a world champion. Come on. And that's a pretty big yes. difference.
3: Um, and one has stayed at the World Tour level for yeah, eternity. But,
0: but, but Revelin stayed at the World Tour level for as long as, as, as Valverde. He's just kept going. Well. <laughs> He's just added on more time. <laughs> From 92 yeah, to 2008, he was always on top tier teams. And he came back on our favorite NASCAR team in 2009 and got some big wins Mm -hmm. and then he's been on the teeny teeny team since 2011
2: but he's been he's been on a a long slow descent and i i I loathe to give the guy any airtime on this podcast um so it pains me you know and it's not uh, to even have this conversation but it's it's not a guy that i am going to vote into this low ride podcast hall of fame i I actually need to look up the bylaws of the Slow Ride podcast because I'm not sure if, uh, if it's a 60% majority, you know, or if I can filibuster this thing. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know the rules either, uh, but uh, I'm voting him in for sure. He seems to have his own kits, too, so I am going to head on over to his
3: Well, store. apologies um, to all our listeners that probably are with Spencer that we shouldn't be spending any more time with David Rebel and talk. But it is uh, something that I did think that was, uh, it, it did catch me um, as a surprise. And before we head into the pre Lab, one of the final things that I did want to just mention is I was listening to the um, Nowhere Fast podcast here on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Um, never before I've been so captivated for um, virtual racing. But one of the things that has really got me, um, got me excited was learning a little bit about this Movistar Zwift tryout for the E-team that Movistar is now putting together. So they're basically, Movistar is going to have a E-racing team that gets to go to training camps with the real team. Okay. Um, you get some free kits. You get a You get a bike for the trainer. You get a bike for riding out on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a... Big massive tryout. Now you're not going to go race with the team at Umloop, although you could probably get a start because it's movie star in the classics. But you could, um, you know, you get to be with the team. Mm-hmm. And I have heard that the tryouts have been kind of a little bit of a disaster from the Nowhere Fast podcast, especially um, uh, Mike was talking about it. I I need to learn a little bit more, but this strikes me as. Like movie stars had a little bit of a changing of the guard, is what I'm seeing here, oh, right? Oh, and oh. what I want to get at here is that we have the Netflix documentary season one, mm-hmm. which is amazing that that thing even got broadcast. If you think about it from the standpoint that, you know, there's a lot of infighting happening on that team, you know, Carapaz, um, and then you got the Nairo, and then Valverde, all of it together. Mm-hmm. There's a season two coming. And now we have e-racing, um, was with, Zwift. it seems that there really is a changing of the guard is what I'm picking up on. Um, just from Movistar for years was kind of this, you know, it was the um, the stalwarts of the Peloton, uh-huh. very, um, run of the mill. Didn't really go too far outside of the norm. And I'm pretty excited to see Movistar doing this type of thing, the Zwift racing. So the question I have to you guys is, A, do you care? B, why didn't we try out? That's a good Uh, question.
0: I I know the answer to the second one right away. We're not fast.
3: That's why. Okay. We're not fast enough. Um, How ironic will it be if the person that wins get caught in Zwift doping?
1: Uh... Yeah,
0: you know, I I you know, it seems like they'll probably be fine with it. They have Valverde, I mean.
2: <laughs> That's true. I I I find it hard to believe that somebody competing at this level um in this in the e-sport world would um you know, stoop to those kind of lows. So I I don't see it happening. Um I don't see anybody, you know, um you know, if they've got the computing power to raise their Watts to a level to um, get them on the movie star team, they would be better served uh, being out there mining some Bitcoin. Uh,
3: That's very true. Spencer, very rational um, with the mining of the Bitcoin reference. I do want to say like, it would be hilarious if someone hooked up their, their trainer to the blender right? Uh-huh. Found a way to just dial in the, the whole story, the video, everything where they get the movie star sponsorship. And then movie stars, you know, puts them on a plane, flies them to Mallorca for the training camp. And, you know, the whole team's there getting all kidded and then in comes you know, someone that's just rocking the triple extra large bibs, triple extra large Jersey. Just like, Oh, I'm here for the, you know, just the hangout sesh. Like, not even a cyclist at all. Like, like, what are you talking... Like, that would be a great um, candid camera type moment.
0: <laughs> That's a pretty long con just for that.
3: <laughs> yeah. It would be a great con, though. Yeah, I well, you should do that,
0: I think.
2: Yeah, there's some sort of uh, tournament-esque qualification um, process involved here that I have no idea what it is, but I assume it runs very similar to the qualifications... Um, That happened in in the powerhouse cycling movie, Rad, uh, back in the day, where you have to race against all your competitors in a a series of heats and place in the top three um, twice, and then you're qualified for Helltrack.
3: Now, (laughs) I know you guys, everyone wants us to talk about Rad, but what we really should be talking about is the superior BMX movie. Of course, I'm talking BMX Bandits. Filmed in Australia mm-hmm. and starring very own Slow Ride podcast correspondent Michael Matthews, so let's check in with Michael Matthews on BMX Bandits in the Freemlab.
1: My name is Matthew Vanderpool, and I don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast.
3: to thank all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head on over to WideAnglePodium.com, where you can support a wide host of podcasts, including the aforementioned Nowhere Fast. We also have Criterium Nation, good friends over at Cyclocross Radio, where you can also learn a little bit more about their um, sub stack, the Cyclocross Bulletin. Mm -hmm. And of course, well, Tim,
2: uh, I know you're trying to hesitate on this one because Grodio is going to try to scoop us on the big gravel drama that we're going to be discussing later. And, uh, you know, it's tough to give a competitor the edge, but they are on the network, so it is okay.
3: I am waiting for some Grodio. I, I heard it's been recording. They're doing dig, deep dives, but I think this week we might be scooping them on the big stuff yeah. that came out a month ago. Well, but
2: that's what happens, uh, you know, when you when you're sleeping on your laurels a little bit.
3: Yeah, (laughs) that is right. So head over to wideanglepodium.com. Check out all of the family of shows. And while you're there, you can click on the coffee link by going to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee. And you find out about the two different great blends from Grimper Brothers. We've talked about them countless times. They've been a long-term sponsor of the Slow Ride Podcast and the Wide Angle Podium Network. Mm -hmm. Fantastic coffee. Once again, com slash coffee.
2: Yes. And our last uh, uh, supporting sponsor to talk about is, of course, Buckler Skincare, where you can pick up the Miracle Wap, uh supporting Wide Angle Podium. It's chamois cream. You know what to do with it. I'm not going to go into the details uh, of your personal life, but it's going to make things a lot better for you, especially if you're trying to qualify for the movie star e-racing
3: team. Get the big tub. And with that... Let's get back to the show.
0: Ow! What's going on? This is Jeremy powers. And you're listening to the slow ride podcast.
3: All right, guys, we got some emails. The first one comes to us from down under. Of course, I'm talking about New Zealand with friend of the <laughs> podcast, Murray who writes to us to let you know that not only are we providing essential work on the podcast, but a dissection of the question that I had a few episodes ago about the rear-facing skewers on my moots. Now, of course, I am not running a through axle. I am not running a fixed wheel. I am running just a classic quick-release hub. And the problem is, okay, I can't put, I can't put the skewer exactly forty five degrees between the seat stay and the chain stay, so I have to run it backwards. And Murray points out that legend has it in New Zealand, perhaps it was him. I can't quite tell by this very um, slyly written email that in a Category Five wraiths, two individuals were off the front. And there was a real a re a rear wheel overlap mm-hmm. uh-huh. in which the front wheel uh-huh. of the trailing rider uh-huh. got caught uh-huh. in the uh-huh. rear facing skewer. It's a tactical move. That's a good strategy. Very <laughs> tactical move. Yeah. Sounds like no one was even crashed out.
2: I mean, that's the yeah. best case scenario, right? Um
3: but the leader had to stop to readjust the wheel yeah. because it came out of, you know, was it, it, was, z- a, it was a... Yeah. through axles have solved that
2: problem. So now, uh, when you're coming up with these kind of shady tactics in which you're trying to take out spokes of your breakaway mates, through, I'm sure, no fault of Murray's or Rider X's um, fault, uh, their, their spokes <laughs> were taken out um, unjustly back in the day in that Cat 5 race. It's much easier to pull off that move now, you know. And I've I've come across this myself, uh, but luckily with through axle technology, there's things get crazy. You guys, I know you you neither of you run them, but uh, nowadays you can just push in a little button and like move that handle around wherever you want it, and then set it. It's great. So you tighten it to where it needs to tighten to, and then you can just move it without loosening it. It's great.
0: Nah, yeah, it sounds sounds suspect to me. It's true sounds, a, sounds um, a too good to be true. Okay. Yeah.
2: You know, and something. I think uh I think that is the way forward. There are also the ones the kind of headless through XO ones where you have to tighten them down with the with a Allen wrench or something. That seem much more uh of a pain to deal with in an emergency situation like a flat in a race, but um probably the way to go for the future, um, based on some of the skewerings. Uh, we have seen in crashes uh, over the past couple years. Dangerous. Dangerous game.
0: Do you guys remember when um, Rico, speaking of bringing up more long uh, uh, covers, when Rico came I back, uh, he made his first comeback, and he was at some final with uh, Linus Gerdeman and Geerdeman stood up in front of him and you know, kind of shifted back a little bit and took out Rico's spokes, and Rico just went on a total rampage in the press for a few days and he had came, came across the, the the line with his eye all bloodied or something huh that was great no,
2: i don't remember that at all but much like rebelin i try not to think
0: about rico either
3: <laughs> oh man
0: i think about it all the
3: time are, I, I can uh, tell as, as always we do love it when folks email us at the slow ride podcast at com. a uh, friend of the pod jeff hit us up with little guy's next bike project and I don't know if you saw this video that was going around, but this oh, was yeah. the <laughs> yes. the ice bike made with with mm. wheels that were made out of circular chainsaw discs. So like 700C chainsaw um, wheel, you know, Paul Bunyan would be proud of this setup. It was quite the, um. The, the video was really well shot, but it took a really long time to just show me a bike going around on the, the yeah. ice with mm-hmm. chainsaw wheels. Yeah. Like I felt like I invested a lot of time for real little payoff. It's kind of like telling a really long joke without a punchline. I've, I've
2: seen that photo floating around, uh, and it's impressive. Uh, but I didn't bother clicking through because you know, studded tires—they they just do that already, so we don't really need it. But it's a cool concept.
3: But
1: you guys, I, the bigger
3: question—I won't be doing it. It scared the hell out of me. Oh, uh, okay. That's yeah. You won't be doing it like where you. Were you disgusted when you saw that little guy? And you are like, "Get out of here!" I am uh, a rail bike kind of guy.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, "I am a rail bike guy." I mean, one, I didn't really care that much. Uh, but two, I was just all I could imagine was one of those digs in a little too much, and you fall, and that bike flips over on you and chops you in half. <laughs> it's just yeah, not well, worth it, man. It's not worth it for the for the hits, for the lulls.
2: If you if you are gonna end, you may as well do it in a spectacular fashion. I would say. Um, mm-hmm what that actually made me think of though was um the race series uh that they used to have in Minneapolis on the frozen lakes mm-hmm. um it was a, i don't know if it was a legitimate series or a bandit series or what but they would go out there and snow plow out a little course or snow blow um and do like mountain bike races that were I would say what 80% on the ice like yeah. following a little course and then pop off onto the shoreline and do some woods little areas and pop back in. They still do that? I know they probably didn't do it in 2020, but uh more recently, little guy, any 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 word on the street there?
0: Uh I don't i am never on the street. I don't see anybody. Okay. Uh no. Unfortunately, I don't have I can't be like roll tape. I've got Hollywood on the scene.
2: I feel like uh <laughs> I feel like yeah, There used to be a little yeah, more. Yeah, f-
0: those seem fun.
2: Yeah, a little more um, of a rebel attitude from from race promotion standpoint mm-hmm. uh, back in the day there in Minneapolis, and we'll uh, Th- see it come back. But you know, if, yeah. if any of our listeners uh, are in areas that get cold enough, think about it; it's pretty fun. Everybody loads up the studded tires,
3: and there's lots of crashing.
2: And it's but and wasn't tonight, that the whole so like
3: soft. the the. St- It's a cross formula ice dash for cold, hard cash, right? Like the snowball chase and hell race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although that, I don't know if they were had the, um, the snow tires, but, um, still, uh, exciting stuff. And then finally the, we did get an email. Um, remember a few weeks back, we're talking about devil's dyke, um, with Buffalo Dave in England, one of the expats that has moved over to the UK, one of the famous climbs apparently of the UK. And, um, I have been told, um, Thomas emails us and says the funicular railway is long gone, Yeah. but if uh, Buffalo Dave needs some good routes in the Sussex area, yeah, hit us up. So, uh, Buffalo Dave hit us up. We'll hook you up with Thomas. Then you're going to have a nice unfit riding buddy. Um, that was Thomas's words, not mine. <laughs> um, great to see, uh, the connections happening. Yeah. I love it. Um, gentlemen, one of the things I wanted to get to, um, as, as we were, uh, coming into this podcast, I was thinking about it today is that th- this may seem, this topic may seem, um, a little dry to many, but my three and a half year old was walking with, um, Sarah and myself and our, our youngest who turned one, who turns one, to, uh, Monday when you, when you hear this, um, yeah. that, that'd be, uh, uh, oh, thank you. A little high Mar, uh, is three and a half. And, um, Little Nairo is turning one. Little Hymar was walking down the street. He saw that I had a very small Bailey Works messenger bag that I have turned into a diaper bag. Okay. And he wanted to wear it. He's like, I want to wear that, Daddy. Hmm. So I put the Bailey Works bag on little Mm Hymar. He looked pretty good. And for a second there, I thought, you know what? (laughs) I need to buy myself another Bailey works bag because I just lost this Bailey works bag to my son. Um, He proceeded to then try it on as like a belt around his waist. It didn't work, but it got me thinking about messenger bags Uh and I, we have a long history. We were all couriers for a long time. Messenger bags were a huge part of our identity. I haven't bought a new messenger bag in about 20 years, maybe. I mean, I got one gifted to me from uh, trash bags, uh, trash messenger bags in Minneapolis there for when I opened Swift, but I don't know if I'm a me- like, am I too old for a messenger bag? Um, that's question one. Certain. to you guys, should I just Certain. go with a backpack? Yes. Um, and <laughs> are messenger bags too overbuilt at this point because Bailey works was a very simple bag and it always cut. it always worked for me. Mm-hmm. And then I got some very heavy-duty messenger bags. You guys will remember some of the, the giant messenger bags that I've had in my yeah. um, life, including one that could fit an entire legal box. Mm-hmm. Um, Only one? So, yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, there was kind well, of an arms race two. in size it, there for a while. Everyone was... It could I, fit two, I, two I remember calling
2: Reload two, two, and requesting their largest bag and then asking them to add two inches in every direction to it. Yeah,
0: that, <laughs> yeah. Was, all, that, was, that was all the rage, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, you so, should get a backpack I guess, to him because you got two shoulders for a reason.
3: Yeah, so little guy, you're a working courier still. Well, no, prior in the before <laughs> times. Um, recently. Are you? When was the last time you worked with a messenger bag?
0: like a sling bag, you mean? Is that what we're talking about? Like, like, like the one, like the
3: one, one, one shoulder, yeah, yeah. Um, the one shoulder messenger bag.
0: Yeah. I would ever once or twice a year, and it would be fun for like ten minutes. For the last couple of years, last like seven years, maybe, and I would hate it immediately after that. I'd be, I'd feel lopsided, and it drove me out of my mind. I ro- I had a backpack the last long yeah. long time because I, like I said, I have two shoulders. It started making me feel completely lopsided, like half my body was taller than the other half my body from years of carrying things on one side. It just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the sling bags, but
3: well, and you, Spencer. I was a big fan
2: for a long time. I've still got at least two oversized Reload bags and I mm-hmm.
0: yeah,
2: think I have another one somewhere. I, s- I had an Eric Zo bag for a while that I sold to Dan Chabanov, oh,
3: nice.
2: Um which he is, uh, nice. he is taking loving care of now, uh, which brings me great joy. But I definitely moved to the two-shoulder style and got myself a, a very Euro, very stylish Ortlieb um, <laughs> Messenger Pro bag. So it's still the biggest possible bag that they make, but it is a backpack, <laughs> and it looks sort of reasonable. Um, but even that doesn't get that much use these days, uh, sadly.
3: Because I'm running... I have three Messenger bags still in my possession. Mm-hmm. I have the one that I got from trash bags with the swift cycle logo I have. And then I have two dank bags. I have yeah. the grain belt Minneapolis bag that you guys have seen, which yeah. can fit two legal boxes in it. And then I have the, an orange one that had like a weird Halloween motif from a messenger race that I won down in Chicago. Um, so many years ago, uh, in, in, I lifted them up the other day, and I'm like, wow, these things are really heavy and just kind of awkward, and I put it on, and I'm like, this is just not, Mm -hmm. like, why, whoever thought this was a good idea to ride a bike (laughs) with just one shoulder, this kind of, like, and then I'm like, is it just because I'm turning 40 that now I no longer get it? It is, yeah. Partially,
0: yes. So,
2: if if I'm reading this right, um, you are maybe... um, Maybe I guess un- I'm asking you guys for advice. Yeah, it's unforced, but you're donating your Bailey bag um to to a higher cause. Um but you I, y- you're you're trying yes. to decide what you need to replace it with. Uh that's appropriate. And
3: Absolutely.
2: Your midlife crisis struggle is am I still cool enough to rock a messenger bag? And even if I am, is it still cool to rock a messenger bag?
3: Yes. And one of the the, so yes one should i can i still do it at 40 Uh is it cool enough to do it Uh should i and then the overarching question is should i even should anybody do it really Mm -hmm. and then i also want to say that if i had to rank all of my bags that i've had um and obviously having the yellow bag for the longest possible time as the reigning courier champion (laughs) of minneapolis for i don't know three years, four years, what? um, garbage. <laughs> it was a horrible bag, but it was nice to have. I will rank that the Bailey works bag was probably the best one I ever had. Okay. Just cause it was just simple, a little bit lighter weight, but that's a whole other side story. I get it. So I kind of got a little like reminiscent about a Bailey works bag. Sure. Um, this isn't an advertisement for them by the way. Um, but it's just more of, it's just what I, you know, it's, not, you know, it's like my first car. Not even all sure they're
2: still in business. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah I
3: don't even know. Um, but. So my question, though, is—
2: Well, I have an answer, and I don't know if little guys come up with an answer already too. But uh, I mean, it's clear to me what you need to do. Little guy, no, do I, you have? Uh, do you have any I wanna, advice?
0: I'll hear yours. I have kind of a two-part for him, so you can okay. Go.
2: I think um, Tim should certainly replace this Bailey Works bag, and I think he—he he is. His instincts are correct that the the single shoulder messenger style bag. Um it got done in it got done in sometime in the mid 2000s um it it got taken over by the mainstream and it's no longer cool you just can't do that to yourself
3: right Is that the chrome the chrome effect?
2: The chrome effect happened yeah um the chrome I, chrome Pista bags and, and the yeah. chrome
3: bags you know and <laughs> I see what you did there I like that well done
2: Yeah um kind of worked hand in
3: hand but um it's the seatbelt thing on the Chrome that kind of got me.
2: Yeah, more so than that though. You know, I just i want I want you to get something useful that that you're gonna use because if you mm-hmm. get a backpack like little guy uses, I just don't see I don't see I know you and you're gonna think, well, you know, this isn't practical. I can't use this all the time. It's not a good investment. Um, so I mm-hmm. need you need to think yeah. about it. You know, in where your state in life, where your lot in life is now. And so I'm thinking 2 is appropriate. And I'm thinking you're going to have to go full, like, long strap laptop bag. Um, but you can customize okay. the
3: colors, you know, get something cool and hip. <laughs> customize the three panels on the Timbuktu? Customize
2: the three panels. Um, but, you know, make sure to get get the right size for your, your MacBook is- uh, Air. And um, you know, carried around Is with the Timbuk 2 still a thing. Oh yeah, they've moved yeah, into like corporate sure. sales and stuff. It's great, it's, you know, for the busy professional. Okay. You know that they used to serve. What?
3: Any recommendations on the three color panels? I know I like to customize my Timbuk 2. Well, I, I was going to do that.
2: I think you need to uh, you need to honor your heritage like any good cyclist would, any champion <laughs> cyclist would. Um, so you need to have a yellow panel for the yellow bag to commemorate the yellow mm-hmm. bag. Yep. Um you should probably yeah. have a black panel um for the Swift cycle bag, you know, to commemorate mm-hmm. that one. And uh I don't know. Maybe maybe a gold panel or a red panel
3: <laughs> just really just really clash with the yellow, a gold. <laughs> a How about gold. this?
2: How about a you used to we've talked, yeah. talked about this the Cat 3 Karen
3: Championship. You've talked
2: about this on the podcast, your beloved Panasonic track bike, red and white.
3: Oh, yeah. What if you do a yeah. red
2: and red and white panels and then a yellow one in the middle to commemorate the yellow bag? That's ah, just a nasty, ooh, that is just so bad. I, it's perfect.
3: Yeah, I like this. So kind of go long strap yeah. Timbuktu bag yeah. to carry my computer. All you, right. you
2: can't even pretend to be I mean. hip or cool, but it needs to be yeah. practical and useful and have a throwback to your messenger days.
3: All right. Little guy, what should I do for my, my bag conundrum that I have right now?
0: Uh, one, I would ask you why you need a backpack. You should never put a backpack on unless you're a courier. Cause yeah, man. Backpacks it's in are the cloud. terrible. Well, oh, it's me, in the hey, cloud. Man. Or, Tim, <laughs> I believe you were the proud owner of a Klein touring bike. Get some panniers, man.
3: You don't need a backpack. Ooh.
0: You just need yeah. to get yourself a nice set of panniers. So that's my first recommendation. Uh, my second recommendation... Bad
3: that that client by the way that um friend of the pod um cast um paul uh, uh, uh got us out in um oregon uh is still boxed up 3 years in it's
0: driving me adventure. insane I, you're literally going to wait until I come and visit you aren't you and just i'm going to just build it out of spite some
3: well, yeah you're going to help me build it right
0: well my first, yeah that's my first recommendation get some that uh my second is uh, i check bailey works is still around and they make um uh, oh, nice! various backpacks so um get yourself set up with one of those timmy. Do they You're make a uh,
2: a laptop uh case? You know, i a, a case? Sh- little you know, maybe a handle on top <laughs> or you can use a strap that kind they of They do. Thing.
0: They also they make some kind of regular Perfect. bags. I like this because you know how all these uh, courier companies have they have the professional section or like the courier section yeah. and then there's the <laughs> citizen section on the website. It's just, <laughs> just like a lot of shade when you're so, when you're trying to spend 100 bucks on a bag, but Tim, I'm sorry, you have to shop in the citizen section. You have to you have to show oh, credentials.
3: What do, you think of, um, it's true. what do you think of um Those little sling bags that like no. the 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 ones that kind of the man purse thing that the guys no. wear on the their front are we? Are we fans of those? Have you seen those? Like it's kind of a wallet. No. It's kind of like a fanny pack that's ro- <laughs> worn on your shoulders. Little guy, no. We need
2: to play this. Play it cool, little guy. Play it cool.
3: <laughs> Get
0: them to wear it.
2: These are very good. I yeah. I think the kids are into these. I think. Um, yeah. You know, I couldn't rock called? it, but I I have a feeling that uh, a person of your uh, personality could pull it off, Tim.
3: Mm. So. As I was cleaning the garage up from the move, I did find my Klein. super rookie monogrammed <laughs> fanny pack. Do you guys remember oh that? Oh, my
0: God. What? You, no, I don't actually remember that.
3: You don't remember my Under the Weather, which was a Toronto bag yeah, company. Oh I yeah. Um, yeah. I bought a fanny pack because for a little while I thought that was kind of cool. I Spencer I used to have a Reload fanny pack, that right? That was the rage, I still man.
2: have that. That probably gets and more useful than mini, anything else these days.
3: I had a little mini clipboard in there that had um, <laughs> that I could have my manifest in. It held the messenger. It held the lock. I'm going to start rocking this thing again. Yeah. That thing was amazing, and it said Super Rookie on it.
0: Well, that makes more sense. I mean, what do you need a giant bag for? That You have that little bag for your quick stuff, and then you get the panniers on your bike for going to the grocery store. That's all you need. You don't need why, – why put anything on your back? Years ago, when I was still a courier <laughs> – it was like if I had to go to the store, I would do everything possible to, like, load. I would ride the crappiest cruiser that we found in the alley because it had a basket on it. Because when I wasn't working, I yep. didn't want anything yep. on my back. Like, yep. and I still don't want anything on my back ever Look, again. I, I, ha- yeah.
2: I had a thought um, about Tim's Klein that he found in the garage recently when he's cleaning it, <laughs>
3: cleaning it out and recently pains, rediscovered. Pains me. Um I don't even know what's. I haven't even opened up the That's box. Paul the This is like, my
2: point. This is my point. There may be panniers on that bike you yeah, don't even know about. I know.
0: Yeah, He's yeah. sitting here fretting about what he should do about his, his traveling needs around town, and he has a bicycle with bags built in in a box.
3: That's yeah. a very good point. Um, I will <laughs> investigate that at some point. Just at the other option it. that I'm going to do is get a, um, a giant, one of those giant, obscene, hideous seat packs yeah. That people ride at yeah. um, Unbound 350 and all of the longer gravel events that are around. Yeah. Um, Doubles as a fender. It does double as a fender. That does lead into um final topic for the night the gravel throwdown of throwdowns in. What is can Is Kansas the sunflower state? I don't even know. But in Kansas, no idea. Belgian, no idea. Belgian Waffle Ride a few weeks ago announced a. Event in October in Lawrence, Kansas, which is just down the road from Unbound Gravel, um, the event formerly known as DK, is, which uh, is in um, Emporia.
2: Yeah. This is a clever move because October's wide open on the calendar, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, ha- Hol- Halloween
3: it. weekend. That's right. <laughs> um, now, the Belgian Waffle Ride, a uh, um, couple of things here. Four events in 2021, California in July, mm-hmm. North Carolina, um, kind of in uh, Asheville area in August. Mm-hmm. They got a Utah event and then a new event on the eastern part of Kansas on October 31st.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Are they going after? I mean, Lifetime hasn't even put on a Unbound yet, right? No. No, not yet. D- I don't even know if we know if it's going to happen. I know the three of us have entries. Um, The the tandem was going to go out last year, canceled. We don't know if it's going to happen in May. It's kind of right on the the level. But here's the thing is that I don't think Unbound can be postponed to the fall because one of the main things with unbound is that the lodging at the Emporia state university Mm. is kind of what, you know, it's a small town. There's a lot of hotels lying around. Yeah. And so now Belgian waffle rides come in and just kind of taken it. So So,
2: any, any chance they had to reschedule has been compromised by this new event who jumped in to the open spots on the calendar.
3: I don't think it helps it at all. And it is a one hour drive between Emporia and Lawrence. So Lawrence is just West of Kansas city. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the Belgian waffle ride is going to be held in conjunction or as a fundraiser of the Stilf- Steve Tilford foundation. Shout out to Steve Tilford and Tilly's pies up in Hayward, Wisconsin. Yeah. Kansas- yeah. Schwam again. Yeah. Um, huge fans. We, we always were of Steve That's- Tilford. So great to see a good, um, nonprofit use of that with Belgian waffle ride. I just, how many people want to go to Eastern Kansas multiple times in a year? <laughs> um, the, I, I admire what Belgian Waffle Ride is doing. Uh-huh. Kind of a ballsy move to go into the backyard of the, the kings of the gravel scene.
2: Yeah. Hitting them when they're down, though. I mean, if you're ever going to strike,
3: mm-hmm. this is when to do it. That's so true. I, I for guess, sure.
2: Is that what you're asking? Is this a tactical move? Are they making a play for the crown? Or do you just think it's or, curious?
3: I think it's curious. I think that there's... It's definitely weird in what Belgian Waffle Ride is doing, which I find different from, from an outside perspective of what Lifetime is doing. So we've got Lifetime that owns Unbound. Mm-hmm. And they have a couple of... Like, they also own Leadville. And they have all the, you know, the running races, and, marathons, and all that. But they've they're, got they're, Leadville they're, and Leadville...
2: Their queen event, Schwamigan.
3: And Schwamigan, thank you. And yeah. Lutzen 99er. But Leadville has a qualification series to get in, right? There is not a qualification series with Lifetime now. Lifetime did start up Big Sugar in uh, Northwestern Arkansas, and they also have the Crusher and the Tusher, which the worst named gravel race of all time. But they have three marquee events, one of which, two of which have never existed under the Lifetime banner, right. and then Crush in the Tusher, um, I think, has gone once before. I could be wrong, but lifetime has three events. Belgian waffle ride kind of more of a roadie event that then has gravel in San Diego from what I've heard. And now they come in. It definitely seems shot fired. Here's my question. What is the end game here? What eventually happens? I have a theory and I'd be curious as to what your guys theory is.
0: I think coexist. or if you think anything of this, I think they can coexist.
3: You think they can coexist? One yeah. hour away from each other in eastern Kansas, like this, yeah,
0: I mean, because there's ex- more people than can do each. Like, a lot of people want to get into Unbound and don't get in,
2: yeah. Also, um, like, so this
3: true. is like a car dealership where you know mm-hmm. you just kind of put them all on that side of town, and eventually someone's gonna buy a car from one of you,
0: yeah, yeah. You're in the neighborhood, that's, you're like, why don't we go check out the other race?
2: That's a good theory, and you know, on paper. I like it a lot. Like, it, it makes sense. Um, if that's where people want to go um, as a as a gravel mecca, then you put your race there, right? And if the roads are great and there's low traffic and it's, you know, relatively easy to have a big event, that's – it makes sense. And then you're six months apart, roughly, um, from the other event on paper. It looks great. Mm-hmm. How that actually plays out in 2021, I don't know – if that is going to actually play so nice um, because if, if unbound does have to reschedule, it starts to cramp the style of one or the other. And I'm, I mean, I'm going to guess that um, unbound will come out on top until a point at which they can't host enough, you know, lodging. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, then the bottom falls out for them. So yeah, I don't know. Interesting.
3: Well, un. Unbound would definitely be the the Super Bowl event, right? So right. it it comes in with the heavy handed, and I think that the way that Big Sugar sold out in what was it like seven minutes they yeah. sold the two thousand spots or whatever. I mean, it like they can push a lot of muscle around at Lifetime. They have you mm-hmm. know thousands of people on their their lists from past events and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the theory that I've got is that Belgian Waffle Ride is they're going all in. They're looking for a buyer is is how I see it. Like I, if I'm game theorying this out a little bit, this rapid expansion, it, it really is the wild west. And I know that gravel racing uses too many of these types of tropes and all of like, you know, the, the pastoralization of American history and all of like the Western expansion. But there is something about Belgian Waffle Ride doing four events across the country. That's very attractive I think to a lot of groups if they can kick it off mm-hmm. um, and I could see someone coming in here trying to buy it I don't know if it's going to be Lifetime but it seems to me like like they're making a play to, um, to be the, the kings of the scene it's interesting to me um, I am surprised that uh, there are other events that haven't like teamed up within Belgian Waffle Ride or that Lifetime hasn't purchased the main ones being obviously Mid-South and then the other one is that Steamboat Gervel out in uh, Steamboat Springs, uh, Colorado, where I they think, make the moots.
0: I think you had marbles in your mouth when you said that. You said that sound like you said <laughs> gerbil. A gerbil? A gerbil?
3: Well, there's no, there's no vowels in that one. Oh, okay. i sorry. I
0: just thought you had marbles in your mouth. Go ahead.
3: I just – all of it together, gravel racing and riding seems to be definitely what's gaining steam worldwide. People mm-hmm. come in from across the world to go to mm-hmm. um, Unbound. And then we have events that are in Europe, like Dirty Reaver, that are huge on the gravel scene that's in um I believe in Scotland so it's just it's interesting to me um and I'm waiting to see you know more of these races kind of take that next step because I think it's only going to get bigger and eventually the UCI is going to come in and try to mandate rules and all of that into this thing. Well,
0: yeah. Hopefully I'm still a cat too then. <laughs> it doesn't matter I'm slow.
2: I um yeah, I have no experience at unbound. My uh my my chance was taken away from me by this pandemic. Um and Could outside of, we would have uh, really enjoyed it. I know. <laughs> yeah, sure. o- outside of doing the Almanzo 100 a, a handful of times, um you know, I don't have a ton of gravel experience, so you know, I had a good time, but um I'm going to say I'm going to say I had a much better time at the Schwamigan, which was not yeah. Not billed as a gravel race, but it shouldn't be, but may as well be. They'd probably get more, um,
3: yeah, entrance. Yeah. I um, think they would. because you could, Mos- you monster could, cross, yeah, you
2: could certainly do it on a beefed up gravel bike. Um, yeah, I did. You know, I think I hope that that's the future. At least that's where, um, you know, uh, some of the, the rebels who don't like the corporateness of the gravel scene uh, head to, even though. Schwamigan is owned by <laughs> lifetime as well.
3: I mean now Spencer you're in <laughs> it's a very you're in New England. Mm-hmm. Um are there are there big gravel events in New England cuz that seems to be oh, yeah. like the frontier to me that I can't quite find like cuz you see all these Belgian waffle rides and then uh, lifetime events and then Almanzo and some of these other ones they all they mm-hmm. I never see one in New England. What what's no, like the big ones up there? Well,
2: there's Raspdita, um would be one I forgot they're, about that one they're all up in Vermont basically and they're all in mm-hmm. the spring and the weather's terrible and everything sucks and they're big mud fests doesn't sound but, fun at but uh, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you haven't heard of them because New England does this thing where it uh, very much insulates itself from everywhere else in the country and does its own thing and doesn't tell anybody what's going on up here and just as you know kind of awesome stuff happening but uh, we do it to our own drummer you know what I mean
0: mm-hmm Which is why would you run the gravel races in spring? It's the same problem we had when we raced road around Minnesota. All the races were April to May and then the weather got nice and that's it. No more races. And you're like, cool, I trained everyone's
3: going to their cabin then. I trained in January
0: (laughs) to race miserable races. And same with the gravel. Like when we were out in Vermont, the one time I was in Vermont was when we went out what is that, in July? It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was perfect. Like I can't think of a better time to be riding a bike out there. There's no way yeah. it could be any nicer and perfect time to do a gravel race.
3: Well, there you have it. That's gravel corner. Um, and you can pick up more on the next episode of the Grodio uh, as we dig, as they dig yeah. into more of the gravel politics I, that we're can, seeing out there, but
2: they can correct all our errors. That would be great.
3: Yeah, I know. Right. It, yeah. That'd be fantastic. But here we are. Good stuff. Um, all in all, uh, gentlemen um, next week. I know that Little Guy is bringing a new game show
0: yeah. to the oh. pod. Yeah. Get ready. It's called Goose or Bike. I'm getting ready for next week. Goose or Bike.
3: Goose Goose. And, and what's the elevator pitch of Goose or Bike? So we can tell all our listeners. <laughs> to elevator to pitch. To listen. I was
0: riding my bike the other day, and I heard this weird squawking sound behind me on the trail by the creek, and I thought to myself, is there a goose behind me, or is there a fat bike behind me? And after a while, I turned around and it was a fat bike. But sometimes you just don't know because they make some of the same sounds. So I'm going to come up with a series of sounds and I'll quiz you guys. And you'll have to tell me, was that a bike or a goose?
2: I love it. I can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) Well, gentlemen,
3: it has been fantastic. This has gone by faster than a Tom Pitcock 5K (laughs) and I would not change it for the world. We'd like to thank... All of our listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network, head over to wideanglepodium.com. Check out the family of shows. And if you so choose, you can donate and help support the podcast. I'd like to thank our good friends at Grimper Brothers. Head over to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to find out more about the two great blends. And bucklerskincare.com, home of the Miracle WAP Shammy Cream. The Tingle is the Miracle. BK1 of Rhyme Series Entertainment did the intro and outro and with that, this is Tim in Orlando, Florida.
0: This is Matt in Minneapolis.
2: And this is Spencer in Boston, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists and you'll see you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source.
0: TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at theSlowRidePodcast.com.
2: Guy, you're gonna cut all that uh, bad mouthing he did of
0: Rad, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll cut that.
2: Okay, good.
1: (laughs) There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away, and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds, but we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. Nation.